What's going on, everyone? Welcome into the PFN Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Kyle Yates, and I'm your host. I can be found on Twitter at KyleYNFL. I am joined here today by the man, the myth, the legend. That is Kyle Soppy. He can be found on Twitter at Kyle Soppy. PFN Soppy, how are we doing here today on this fine Tuesday morning? Well, it, I'm doing fine. We had two football games yesterday. My, I don't know about you, but this two games on Saturday, Sunday, Monday, I thought we've been on Sunday for like 72 straight hours here. So that's messing me up a little bit here. But we're in Monday, which means we're getting close to playoffs again. Divisional round. My team's advancing. The team where you're covering is advancing. This is all great times. Peaking at the right time. I love to see these teams that are just functioning and clicking on all cylinders. Like, get the Eagles, punt them to the moon. A team that's just not playing well. I don't want to see them on my TV in January. We're supposed to be getting good football. That's what we're getting the rest of the way. Well, you talk about that, like, sort of, I have no idea what day of the week it is. For me, that was the case. Sunday night, I was able to go to Ford Field and cover so the game cool. for Pro Football Network. Absolutely ridiculous environment. The city of Detroit showed up in a big way there. But I didn't get back to my hotel until 2 a.m. So <laughs> I. And then I had to drive back to Grand Rapids where I live. So like the concept of daytime where like no idea what day it is here today, but we still got to cover some football. We are still here for the people here as we move into not just the dynasty landscape here in the dynasty season, but taking a very, very early look ahead to 2024 drafts in that light. Before we get into the running back rankings, I did want to stop pause talk about the development the big development over the weekend you alluded to it there the green bay packers moving on to in a weird game a game that was absolutely like no one saw that score coming wow absolutely insane the green bay packers move on defeat the dallas cowboys jordan love looks like the green bay packers have gone three for three now like i was on the fence with jordan love saying like let's just pump the brakes here let's hold on a little bit they did not go from brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers, now to Jordan Love, and there's going to be this dominant 60-year run of fantastic quarterback play. Based on what we saw here this past week, I kind of feel like we have to at least say that that is in the realm of possibilities here. As we look ahead to 2024 fantasy football drafts, where do we need to start to put Jordan Love into the quarterback conversation? Yeah, no kidding. You said you were on the fence with Jordan Love. I wasn't even in the same zip code as the fence. It was Kyle, and then the fence was way somewhere else. I had no idea this was coming. Derek was ahead of it to some degree, but we saw we saw struggles. We saw ups and downs. We saw growing pains. Like We saw what we thought we saw early in the season. That wasn't that he couldn't have these good games, but to string five in a row and like eight out of nine like this down the stretch in playoff spots, in big spots, on the road against an aggressive defense where we think off like – he checked every single box. I I want to be optimistic for 2024, but the quarterback position is loaded. Like, we forget that. We had so many injuries this year from Anthony Richardson all the way to Joe Burrow in places. I You can't get him inside your top 12. I understand that he's playing in an elite fashion right now for a franchise that only drafts, you know, Hall of Fame level quarterbacks. So I get all of that, but who are you moving out of your top 12 to get him in there? You, the guy's near the end of my top 12. CJ Stroud. I'm not moving him. Are you? No. No, no, Justin Fields. I don't care where he lands. With that athletic profile, that's a floor that Love doesn't have access to. Would you go Jordan Love over Justin Fields? I would probably still go Fields, but it depends on landing spot for him, right, if he's not in Chicago. Same. I would agree. Tua, Kyler, Brock Purdy. Like, any of those guys, I, I mean, he's in that conversation, and that's like 12 to 15 for me. So, I mean, it's how high can you realistically get him in these redraft leagues that start one quarterback, and you're talking 12 12 teamers for the most part he's probably still not a fantasy starter even though he looks like god's gift of football right now 
Yeah, I think that tier you mentioned Tuatunga Vailoa, Brock Purdy. I think that he's in that. It's the same group, thing, right? Like mm-hmm. I feel like they're all very, very similar. Where they don't bring an insane rushing profile. They can move. They can pick up you know chunk yardage here or there, but they're not dependent upon that rushing profile. But I think that people have put Jordan Love into this conversation of like, well, look, he was the quarterback two for you know the final however many weeks of the yeah. season. He was on this dominant fantasy football run. It's like. Well, yes, but what you just mentioned is so important. Anthony Richardson, Joe Burrow, we had so many injuries to the quarterback position that really, really elevated him up the board there. So, yes, I think that the quarterback position next year, I think there's going to be more of a case for late-round quarterback drafting than ever before, where I can wait until the 10th, 11th round to get Brock Purdy, to get Jordan Love. Like, yes, sign me up. The upside that Anthony Richardson, Joe Burrow, Justin Fields, that they all bring is certainly going to be there, but... That late round quarterback draft strategy, I think, is going to be prevalent more now than ever before because of the names that are going to be there. And obviously, then we have Caleb Williams, Drake May, these quarterback prospects coming into the NFL draft that are certainly going to factor into that conversation as well. If you have not heard, guys, ESPN's new sports betting app, ESPN Bet, is now live. Secure $250 in bonus bets by signing up with the link in the episode description and use the promo code PFN. You will instantly have $200 in bonus bets in your account, plus another $50 within 24 hours. Must be physically present in one of the 17 states that legally have ESPN bet for bonuses. 21 years or older and present in participating states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. If you are listening to this over on the podcast, first off, rate and review the show. We greatly appreciate every rating and review that comes in. But you can watch this over at youtube.com slash Fantasy if you're there. Hit the like button on this video, subscribe to the channel, and click the bell to get notified for when our new content drops, youtube.com slash Fantasy. Let's get into way too early 2024 running back rankings. I love these types of conversations because it everything is going to shift and change. Nothing is going to be concrete here as we are talking about this, but it at least allows us to get a sense of what's the landscape. Where do some of these players that had, you know, outlier years, these crazy outlier performances, or on the other side of that, players that disappointed greatly, like Austin Eckler, who we will talk about here in a little bit, where do they fall into the conversation for next year? This also plays a role in your keeper picks, right? Where if you've got to make keeper decisions here soon, what does this mean for those keeper selections? So let's get into it here. What I'm going to do is we're going to go in groups of five. We're going to take a look at your top 24, way too early 2024 running back rankings. You can find the full list over at pfnfantasy.com. I'm going to go 24 through 20 here. Soppy, go ahead and just run through those names here, list them out, and then we'll talk about some of the noteworthy names in there. Sure. Going down from 24 to 20, Joe Mixon, Ramondre Stevenson, Aaron Jones, Javante Williams, and Rashad White round out what are going to be my running back two tier for 2024. All right. So let's talk about, I want to talk about Joe Mixon here right at RB24, because I think that over the first half of the season, we didn't see that safety, that consistency, that volume play that we saw from Joe Mixon. However, towards the end, he really caught fire here. Now, Mm -hmm. what we're going to do is we're going to at least... I'm going to talk about where these guys finished here this year, but I'm not going to go by total fantasy points because players miss time. Those are kind of fluky stats. I'm going to go from an average fantasy points per game. If you look at that, Joe Mixon finished right around Isaiah Pacheco in between Jonathan Taylor with 13.6 half PPR points per game. I feel like there's a case to be made that he should be higher than RB24 based on the offense that he plays in. And I think that with Joe Burrow back next year, this offense should only be elevated. Why does why is Joe Mixon not higher than RB24 for you? Yeah, I generally agree. And I'm, 
I was, we were both optimistic on Mixon coming into the season, and I'm going to be optimistic. I'm not. He's not an avoid kind of guy for me, but you're talking about a guy that's going to open the season at 28. He's got over 1,600 touches on his career here. We saw he's never efficient. That's what kind of irks me a little bit. I find it irksome that he can't pick up more than four yards per carry f- per season. I mean, realistically, looking down, he's got one season with more than 4.1 yards per carry. That's that's a hindering factor here. Does the pass catching continue? Does the health Health was good. He played in every game this year. Does that continue as we start getting wear and tear on his legs? At the end of the day, I'm not out on him, and I still have him ranked as a fantasy starter. I just think there's a little more floor than there is ceiling. I don't think he's got top 12 upside to him. He might His floor might be running back 24, which is valuable, or 26 or whatever. Like That holds value in at a position where floor is very difficult to find. He's not going to lose his role. We were worried about that at some points. I don't think that's going to be the case, and he's caught at least 40 passes in back-to-back-to-back season. So he's showing nice versatility. I just don't like the ceiling. If I'm going for running backs this early, like he might move up my ranks, and guys like this will move up your ranks as we progress, as we learn roles, because I don't think he has much downside. But I, right now, in January for 2024, I want some upside in these profiles. I want, I want to not think that the best is behind him, and I kind of think that's the case with Mixon. What do we do with sort of the difference with Joe Mixon from a fantasy perspective with Joe Burrow in the lineup versus Jake Browning at quarterback for the Bengals and Mixon actually performing better with Browning? Yeah, I mean, I think the Browning thing was more like a conservative game plan, which you're not going to see with Burrow. So I think the touch, the catch count probably dips a little bit. I mean, we saw him catch 60 balls last year in 14 games, and that's well above what he did this year. But with Browning, we saw the checkdowns. We saw things like that. When Burrow's back, you're more exploiting Chase downfield. T. Higgins is going to have a better season. You can't tell me what he did this year is indicative of what he's going to be moving forward. I think he's a nice buy low. But if this pass game gets rolling, I could see Joe Mixon's catch count falling by 15, 20, maybe getting that high mid to high 30s. And if that's the case in a PPR or half PPR setting, you're losing some value if the efficiency is not going to be there on the ground. All right, at RB23, you had Ramondre Stevenson. This is an interesting one because I feel like now we finally have Bill Belichick out of the conversation in New England, which has been, I will not invest in a New England Patriots running back as long as Bill Belichick is the head coach because mm-hmm. it's a constant committee. We don't know who's getting the work. I Ezekiel Elliott's not going to be back there next year, in my opinion. So Ramondre Stevenson seems like he is in line to be a bell cow running back, which is and we know that he has the talent. So why Ramondre Stevenson all the way down RB23? He'll be moving up if I get some clarity on this offense. I mean, at the end of the day, he was able to produce in this offense, which was a mess. But they don't have an answer at quarterback, head coach, all that stuff. Everything's in flux right now. And as I'm drafting running backs, I want stability. I want to know what I'm getting into when it comes to offensive build, when it comes to my quarterback, when it comes to coaching staff. Realistically, stability builds fantasy championships when you're trying to rank it, we're ranking mean outcomes, right? I mean, if I'm going to rank everybody's ceiling, these rankings look way different because you're all over the place. But you have to include the downside here. And the downside is we don't know what this is going to look like. It could be the Ramondre Stevenson show. He's coming off an injury, but he's still young. He's just a year removed from lighting the world on fire with 1,500 yards and you know almost 70 catches. So the profile is there. I'm encouraged by what we can see. And he's, he's earmarked to move up because of what could be. But we don't know who's coaching this team. We don't know who's quarterbacking this team. With that many question marks, he's down in my ranks. It's a holding pattern for me. 
yeah, no, obviously Jerron Mayo, now the head coach of the New England Patriots, but we don't know his offensive staff. We don't know the scheme. We don't know if Ramondre Stevenson is even a fit for that scheme. So definitely some variables there with Stevenson moving into next year. However, it's just interesting for me. Like we finally have that factor removed right, and Stevenson yeah. like moves down the rankings at that point. So wanted to at least have that conversation. The final one in this tier that I did want to talk about is Rashad White. Obviously we are recording this here Tuesday morning. We saw Rashad White on the TV last night as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defeat the Philadelphia Eagles, move on. Rashad White was fantastic he for was. fantasy football this year. Now, slow start to the year, and we were all ready to dismiss him, but really, really solid performer. If you drafted him in your drafts, you walked away very, very happy with the production. So Rashad White, all the way down at RB20, is going to be very, very eye-popping, uh, or eye-grabbing for a lot of people. So what do we what do we do with Rashad White down here at RB20? Why is he there? Yeah, I worry about the yards per carry. It's not that much different than where Joe Mixon, like, I kind of tier these guys and rank them similarly. Like, Ramondre Stevenson had some upside, but the pass catching is what you're buying for. Joe Mixon, some efficiency issues, but the pass catching has been able to stabilize him. Are we going to get to see that out of Rashad White? 3.7 yards per carry for his career. That's not just bad. That's well below average. That's a problem when it comes to a guy who needs to pick up yards like that. I understand that he's very valuable in the passing game. But so was Theo Riddick, and we didn't have Theo Riddick as a top 15 running back. I mean, there's a big gap, a wide range of outcomes here between Austin Eckler and a guy like Theo Riddick. Like, you can go either direction, and it wouldn't shock me if Sean Tucker works into this offense and gets more usage on the ground because Rashad White's not a good runner of the football. It doesn't mean he's not a good player. It doesn't mean he's not a good fantasy asset. We saw it all year this year, but it's a wide range of outcomes, which scares me. And so you, you move up the board. I've got more touchdown equity in other spots. I've got more touch equity in other spots. Rashad White is what he is. We don't think he's a good running back. He's a glorified receiver that plays in the backfield. Right. It, it's He could have seasons like this, but I'm not. Are you projecting him to repeat what he did this year, next year? I mean, if he is the guy in this backfield, then sure. yes. Maybe. But I mean, maybe Sean Tucker becomes a little bit more of a thing. But I mean, you saw Chase Edmonds be <clears throat> the next guy up here in this backfield. Yeah. So. I don't know if Sean Tucker is suddenly going to step in and I don't think Chase Edmonds is suddenly, you know, somewhat going to be a thing here in Tampa Bay. So could I see them go into the draft and, you know, add a depth piece here? Could I sure. see them go into free agency and bring in someone? Certainly, but at volume is king in fantasy football. So I do think that if Rashad White is the guy next year, he's got to be higher than RB20. But for Agreed. you right now, just kind of building in some of that unknown that variance here where we could see a running back added to this backfield mm -hmm. and that pushes him down to that RB 20 range. So let's move into that next tier RB 19 through 15. I've got Austin Eckler at 19 and man, what a fall from grace for him. Raheem Mostert at 18, Josh Jacobs and whatever team he's playing for at number 17, Deandre Swift 16 and Kenneth Walker, the third at number 15. All right. So let's talk about Austin Eckler here. Uh, Eckler, <clears throat> you mentioned it. What a fall from grace. I don't know if he's even going to be in Los Angeles yeah. here this next year. So I think that as we look at Eckler now entering into this latter stage of his career, I think you mentioned Theo Riddick and you talked about the, the variance there in the range of it could be Austin Eckler. It could be Theo Riddick. I now think Eckler is going to fall more towards this third down pass catching specialist, mm -hmm. which completely removes him from the top 12 conversation. If he's not getting 150 plus carries on the ground each year, but he could still be a guy that sees 90 plus targets. So Eckler, I mean, let's say that he does maintain, he steps into that role as the third down back. Let's say it's in uh, at Buffalo, you know, James Cook's going to be the main guy on the ground. And then you got Austin Eckler as the third down guy. Does he still stay within that top 24 or is it now, if he is occupying that third down role, pass catching specialist, 
we got to move him outside of the top 24. 100% agree. Then he's theoretic. Like, it, and not to say he really wasn't uh, theoretic, just getting a lot of love today. But I know, right? three and a half yards per carry for Austin Eckler this season, that's theoretician. I mean, that's that's just a pass catcher role. That's a third down back. That's what you're saying. If he goes to Buffalo and that were to happen, then he and James Cook take a big hit. And we'll get to that right. when, you know, when and if that happens. But yeah, I mean, there's lots of concerns here. He turned 29 in May, or he turns 29 in May. So I don't think he's going to return like he's not going to rebound into an efficient runner on the ground if he stays with the chargers and has a lead back like i have to factor that into these rankings because it could happen he a million things could happen and that's a problem with ranking in january for august but right i mean you're still talking about a guy that averaged three three and a half catches per game this year if he can sustain that with a reasonable role of 12 to 15 carries he's going to be a running back too just out of volume volume alone he could post a rashad white season in that role I don't know that he does obviously the age curve's not working in his favor there's a lot of red flags here he definitely doesn't offer the top five upside that we thought he entered the season with all right speaking about top five upside here the running back three from a fantasy points per game is sitting at RB 18 on the year here for you going into 2024 that's Raheem Mostert in Miami now we don't even know if Raheem Mostert is going to be back in Miami that's one of the big things here 32 years old off the top of my head, so definitely a guy that obviously uh, has not been the model of healthier throughout his career. So Raheem Mostert, is this kind of just a placeholder right now? Like, again, it seems very, very shocking to put the RB3 in fantasy points per game this past year all the way down to RB18, but we have no idea where he's playing next year. We don't know where he's playing. We don't know what his role is going to be. I mean, he ran super hot with the touchdowns this year, setting the Dolphins' all-time record for a single season. He turns 32 in April. So, like you mentioned, the age curve is working against him, but he's got under 800 career touches. So, it's like dog years. Like, Raheem Mostert years just work differently than most NFL players here. I mean, he's efficient. He scores. He at 5.2 yards per carry for his career, and he's averaging a touchdown every 19.2 touches. Like, that's a great profile, but for somebody who's getting up there in age and an offense that we don't know where it's going to be, scoring touchdowns is great, unless you're on the Panthers where they're not putting you in a spot to score touchdowns. He was on the Dolphins this year, which obviously was fantasy gold across the board. If he's with Miami, I, I don't see how you can put him in the top 15, building in regression, building in HN's role to, to grow, which you would think has to happen. All right, and then at RB17, you had Josh Jacobs. At RB16, you have DeAndre Swift, who are both upcoming free agents, so we don't know where either of these guys are going to be playing. DeAndre Swift, I do want to focus in on him for a second because I think that the talent level was there. We saw the workload at times this year, but obviously we knew that when the Philadelphia Eagles got down to the two-yard line, the one-yard line, we knew what the end result of that play was going to be, which severely limited DeAndre Swift from a fantasy standpoint. So let's say that he does land in a spot in free agency where he is the RB1 and we don't have a mobile quarterback, you know, like Jalen Hurts, that's going to take away some of those goal line rush attempts. Does DeAndre Swift potentially move up into the top 12 conversation for next year? He stands to to agree to a degree, but we're talking five, six years of this and nobody's willing, willy, oh my goodness, really willing to give him the role that we want him to. I mean, we saw him in Detroit for years, and you're talking under 160 carries every single year. Nobody, he can't withstand this. He can't withstand that. And then he comes to Philly where we're like, oh yeah, he could he can make this work. First game, it's the Kenneth Gainwell show. And they're just, teams have not been willing to commit to him. I get that Philly got there in the end, but like you said, he wasn't carrying the valuable role because Jalen Hurts is, you know, brotherly shoving his way to 12, 15 rushing touchdowns. If he lands somewhere else, the promise is going to be there, but it's a lot like Gabe Davis. It's like, we want to see this. We think the talent is there. We think he can get there, 
but I don't it's kind of to the point where I need to see it before I believe it. I'm going to have him as a running back two for now. Could he threaten the running back one conversation in the right spot? I guess, but it would have to be like if he went to the Chargers, Eckler's out of town. You're talking Josh Kelly behind him, a quarterback that's not really a threat. It would have to be the perfect situation for him to get inside my one running back one conversation. You know where I would love to see DeAndre Swift next year? Where? Houston. <clears throat> Devin Singletary, Damian Pierce. Like Devin Singletary sh- showed some good things here this year, but I don't think that he is the long-term option for the running back position in Houston. It's a weak okay. incoming draft class too at the running back position, so you could see DeAndre Swift there take that RB1 role in Houston. Oh, I feel like he could be pushing top eight conversation uh, He would. For me he would in there. Point. And that scoring equity with the perfect situation with a quarterback that's trending in the right direction, they don't really have. I mean, you've got Nico Collins. You've got Tank Dell. There's no way to focus on Swift, and they're going to want to throw the ball. We saw the pass rate above expectation. Even with Singletary playing well, I, they're going to want to put the offense on C.J. Stroud's shoulders. That's I like that call. I like that a lot. DeAndre Swift to Houston. Let's make it happen. All right, run through RB14 through RB10 for me. 14 to 10, Nick Chubb, James Cook, Isaiah Pacheco, Tony Pollard, Alvin Kamara comes at running back 10 for me. All right. The one that I do think we need to talk about here is Tony Pollard. We saw him take this expanded workload here this year after being in this hybrid role behind Ezekiel Elliott for years and and dominating, right? We saw Tony Pollard dominating in that role, but then takes this larger expanded workload and just cannot deliver the same way. Do we think that the role for Tony Pollard, because he's also an upcoming free agent, we don't know if he's going to be back in Dallas next year, that if he does land in a spot with a shared backfield, that he could still be in this conversation of a top 15 back because we know that he can operate better in a lighter workload. How do you balance that as we look at Tony Pollard moving into next year? Yeah, it's tough because everything we thought we knew about Tony Pollard kind of didn't prove true this year. We know he can be efficient. He wasn't this year. Maybe he's remember the early days of Lamar Miller. It's like, let's give him 250 touches. Right. He was always stuck at like a buck 75 and he was productive. You give him an extra 75 touches and it's the exact same numbers. So I think Tony Pollard's better than that. He turns 27 in April here. He's coming like it's not old, but it's not young anymore. But I want him on a good offense. I, I Basically, I want to copy-paste this season. If you told me he'd have the profile that he did ending this season, like the peripheries, I mean, 24% of his carries came in the red zone. If you told me that coming into the season, I'd say I was too low on him. Me and you both had him as right. a fringe first-rounder coming into the year. So I just want to copy-paste it. I'm not sold that what we saw this year is indicative of what Tony Pollard is. Yeah, to answer your question, I think he's a running back one in anything, in an offense at or above league average. The ADP for Pollard is going to be fascinating to watch where that settles because you have this. He was so hyped up to hear this year. He was so hyped up and he didn't deliver. And the consensus, the majority of fantasy managers punish those types of players drastically Mm -hmm. in ADP the following year. So I could see a a world where Tony Pollard's being drafted as like the RB15, RB16 off the board next year. He'll be on my team again. (laughs) Based on that, he's going to be a value based on where, again, a ton to play out as far as landing spot and all that sort of stuff. Alvin Kamara is another interesting one here. I don't think that we need to spend a ton of time on him, but an interesting one here with a high salary hit here for this next year. The Saints obviously always in salary cap hell somehow always make it work so could we see Alvin Kamara playing somewhere else next year I do think that his role and the type of target volume that he's going to see is going to be consistent here so kind of stays in that range but obviously landing spot will play a huge role in that let's go to RB9 through RB5 go ahead and run through those names nine to five we got some big names here Saquon Barkley nine Devin Achan eight Brees Hall seven Kyron Williams six Travis Etienne for the Jaguars at five 
All right, RB9, Saquon Barkley. We have to obviously monitor and see where he ends up. A lot of upcoming free agents I know, we here. keep these, saying that. These are going to change drastically. Saquon Barkley looks like he's played his final game as a member of the New York Giants. We'll see where he lands. Devon Achan, though, is the one that I did want to talk about because RB8, this means that you have to draft this guy to be your RB1. Like, yeah. unless you are going Christian McCaffrey, Jonathan Taylor, one of these top-tier guys with the top five pick, and then you're coming back around and A-Chan sitting there to be your RB2, like, you got to go RB-RB at the start of your drafts to be able to get these guys. So, to have A-Chan as your RB2, excuse me. So, are you comfortable with Devon A-Chan as your RB1 here this next year because we see the upside, we know what he can do, but durability at his size is going to be a major factor here this next year do you then if you go hn do you go with a joe mixon later on you know this doesn't present a ton of ceiling i feel like there has to be a ton of strategy with ranking devon hn in the in the top eight i would agree with you there he's not going to be one of these hero running back builds where you draft one and then you wait forever to address the position because you could be swimming upstream like you said we only have one season. We It was incredibly efficient. It was very Tony Pollard-like. Like I mean, what we've seen from Pollard with Zeke and Raheem Mostert kind of filling the same touchdown sort of role there. It's clunky a little bit, but HN is that kind of talent. And I, everything we saw this year was special. Like, there's no two ways to put it. He's 47th in rush attempts this year. He was number one in carries gaining at least 20 yards. Like, that is just bonkers. I don't think that sustains, but if you're putting more on his plate as far as touchdown equity, as far as touch count, all that good stuff... There's no reason to think he can't be a top 10 back, even if the efficiency dials back, which I think you pretty much have to do. But I mean, 21% of his touches this season were catches. He's showing that versatility. He's showing the explosion. If he's with Miami, which obviously, why wouldn't he be? That's right. an offense that's going to be trending in the right direction, with or without Raheem Mostert. They're going to put points on the board as long as that nucleus is all together, which I expect it to be. HN, the top 10 guy for me. I think he's probably got a better chance of finishing it, what, running back three than he does running back 20. So I'll take the upside and, you know, swallow some of the downside. Yeah, it'll it'll all come down to just the durability and how many games he plays, right? That, yeah. That'll that be the conversation versus if we knew that he was going to play 17 games. Oh, yeah. Then for sure, I'm drafting Devon I'm too low. as a top, right, as a top mm-hmm. five, as a top five player. But you and I both do projections. That is going to be fascinating to see, like, what do we put into that yards per carry, you know, box there for Devon HN next year? Because it's going to be ridiculous to type in eight or seven point five. You mean seven point eight isn't repeating? We're not getting that again. Uh, I'm not going to go out on that limb and uh, and say that he's going to do that again. Kyron Williams was the other one that I did want to talk about here in this range here, really quick. Has he shown enough here this year? Now he is five foot ten, I think, 194 pounds. Like he is a sub 200 pound back, but the production was just off the charts here. Has he done enough here this year? for the Los Angeles Rams to go into next season, say he is our bona fide RB1. We're not adding any significant competition to this backfield. Yeah, I think so. I mean, they were comfortable giving him volume. They were high on him like two years ago. He get hurt, gets hurt in special teams. And that, you know, submarines this whole season. Then you get the whole Cam Akers experience. They bring him in. He plays 12 games. He gives you eight top 10 finishes. That's unheard of at the position. I mean, you get random guys that finish inside the top 10 on a consistent basis. So for one guy to finish there in two-thirds of his games, like that is bonkers. Five yards per carry. He's a focal point. Do I think he's going to get Christian McCaffrey-type love when it comes to the touch count, snap rate, all that good stuff? No, probably not because that's insane behavior for most running backs you can't stay healthy you can't stay on the field that way but nothing 
Nothing in his profile right now says that he's going to regress in a major way. Maybe he doesn't score 15 times in 12 games. Maybe that doesn't happen again. You dial that back a little bit, and that puts him, I don't know, maybe closer to 10 than it does 5. But he's a running back one in all formats for me. All right, let's move into that final tier here. We'll go ahead and run through RB4 through RB1. Yeah, we've got... Two of them still in the playoffs. Jameer Gibbs, number four. Bijan Robinson on the Arthur Smith list. Atlanta Falcons at number three. Jonathan Taylor, number two. And, of course, the one and only Christian McCaffrey, running back one and 101 in drafts next year. Obviously, we don't have a ton of questions with these guys, but I did at least want to throw out this. <clears throat> we talked about Ramondre Stevenson, RB23 off the board. Bill Belichick out of town. There are significant rumblings, rumors, however you want to phrase it, that Bill Belichick could, could be, be the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons next year. We could go from Arthur Smith to Bill Belichick, who consistently utilizes a committee approach. Now, I'm not saying that we're going to see a 50-50 split here again from Bijan Robinson. We will see Bijan utilized within the five-yard line, which was not the case here this year, but this past year with Arthur Smith. But should we have any concern about Bill Belichick potentially becoming the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons and what that means for Bijan Robinson. The minor concern would be like what you said, that he always goes committee. But you know what Bill Belichick doesn't do? He doesn't draft a running back in the first round. So he doesn't end up with a talent like this to neglect very often. You're talking, look at the running backs down, you know, down the list here of Patriots, and you're not going to see a Bijan Robinson mold there. So I'm, I'm not too worried about it. Without looking, what do you think Bijan Robinson posted this year? Yard, total yards and touchdowns. Uh, 950 and six. Yeah. He was just over 1400 yards oh, in total, in total <laughs> offense with eight touchdowns. Like if that's his floor, like I get that we were all bagging on the guy and Arthur Smith and this and that. And I get it. If we're talking a floor of over 1400 yards and eight touchdowns. Yeah. Bill Belichick can get him there. I don't care if he goes committee or whatever he does. Bijan Robinson is that sort of special that he has us all complaining about almost 1500 right. yards like that. He's in year one. I don't, I was tempted to put him at one and just say that like Christian McCaffrey, like he's a little older. There's health risk. Jonathan Taylor, a little older. There's health risk. Bijan Robinson could be in that number one conversation if you're trying to get frisky. I'm I'm not there in January. Maybe talk to me in June. You know, we'll we'll get there. We got six months to chase our tail and talk about these rankings. Right. But right now he's number three for me, and I feel great about it. Well, and to the big thing, Bijan Robinson and Cordero Patterson had the same amount of carries inside the five yard yeah. line for the Atlanta Falcons this year. We have seen Bill Belichick, when they get inside the five-yard line, that they are going to go with the power back, the guy mm -hmm. that they know can convert. LeGarrette Blunt from several years ago with, you know, however, 18 total touchdowns 18, on the ground, yeah. right? Like, we've seen that. So if they do get inside, you have the floor of the, the total yardage and what he can do between the 20s. But then once you get inside that five-yard line, we could see the touchdown total skyrocket, which obviously puts B. John Robinson into that top five conversation. All right, that'll do it here for early 2024 running back rankings. Kyle Sapi, any final words here before we get out of here? Anyone that didn't make the cut here within the top 24 that you at least wanted to throw out there? Nobody that necessarily didn't make the cut off the cuff here, but I would say I want people to, after you listen to this and, you know, kill my rankings because that's what we do. I'm, I get it. I put myself online. I open myself up to that. Go through and try to do it. Go through and try to rank these guys. Guys like Najee Harris aren't easy to rank. What do you think is going to happen in the Bears backfield? Like, we've got a million questions there. Zach Charbonnet, where does he fall? He's 
carried pedigree coming into this. There's a lot of guys there. And then you've got, oh, yeah, Derrick Henry didn't make my rankings. We don't right. know where he's playing, what he's doing. There's a lot of moving pieces here. So, yes, we're going to be doing podcasts like this. Come into these podcasts with your own rankings. And then we'll go back and forth. And you, then leave in the comments how far off I am from your rankings. Because I promise you, ranking these players is a harder exercise than you realize. James Conner, David Montgomery, a couple names here that you said, Derrick Henry, that didn't make the cut here. I do think that those fall right into that territory where they probably belong in that top 24, but a tougher conversation and a tougher exercise than a lot of people realize here to get these top 24 running backs ranked again in January here as we look ahead to what this looks for 2024. All right, that'll do it. For Kyle Sapi and Kyle, I'm Kyle Yates. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you next time.